Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, welcome to episode number 39 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my Facebook business page checklist. Whether you're brand new to Facebook or a veteran, it's important to ensure that you are leveraging your Facebook business page optimally. More and more people are finding your business on Facebook, and you want to ensure that you're making the best first impression. Head over to megbrunson.com slash Facebook page and download the free Facebook business page checklist that will allow you to optimize your Facebook business presence in just a few minutes. Now let's meet today's guest. She is a certified business coach and consultant and international best-selling author who helps seasoned coaches and consultants scale their business by creating and launching their six-figure group coaching programs. She uses her background in brain science, hospital administration, and 12 years of marketing, sales, and business experience to get results for her clients at scale, market in a way that attracts their ideal clients, and converts followers to clients through service-based selling. She's been featured in various podcasts, blogs, and online courses, including the Huffington Post, Today.com, and the Millionaire Insider Extravaganza. Through working with hundreds of businesses, she's empowered them to increase their profits and serve more people all over the world. She hosts the Impact Driven Entrepreneur Podcast and a community by the same name. And today, I'm excited to welcome Mariana Ruiz. Hi, Mariana. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So you have built your business from zero to six figures while raising young kids at home. Your kids are now two and four. And before we dive into the ins and outs of your business and how you can help businesses like ours, I'd love to hear about how that journey looked to you. Sure. So my background is in nursing. I uh, was a bedside nurse and I climbed my way up the corporate ladder and started working in hospital administration where my number one role was to increase the profit margins of the hospital and really make sure that I increased quality care while decreasing cost. So I love that topic. And um, but at that time, I was just wanting an escape because I was living this life that didn't feel fulfilling to me. So my son was, at that time, he was maybe like three, four months old. And I had to drop him off at daycare, you know, like first thing in the morning, just rushing out the door, drop him off, go to the hospital, do my thing and pick him up just to like feed him bathe him and put him back in bed. And I was like, this cannot be my life. Although I have finally made it in terms of getting my office and being able to wear clothing and not working night shift, <laughs> like all the nurse things. I was like, 
very unfulfilled in that role um, because of, of the strain it had on my family life. And so I started doing health coaching um, in the evenings and early, early mornings um, because I had lost a lot of weight. I kind of overdid it with the baby weight. I I gained 80 pounds (laughs) with my baby weight. Um, And so I just worked on losing that and just sharing uh, like what I was doing, like what I ended up being able to have to do, like to get over that last, you know, the last bit of it was the hardest part. And so, um, I started working with a health coach and she kind of really inspired me about what coaching even was, the whole online thing. And I thought, you know, I'm a nurse. Like, I think I can really help these people um, who do want to lose weight. And so I started my health coaching business, right? Like I didn't, I just kind of went for it. And um, that progressed well, but then about two, three months into my brand new business, I got pregnant and I felt like a huge fraud. I told my coach, I want to quit. Like I have to quit actually, because I'm definitely gaining weight and I'm telling people how to lose weight. This is a fraudy feeling and I don't want to do it. And she was like, no, 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 this is just a time of passing. You know, like you can still do this. And she really had me really focus on that long-term vision and realizing that like once I was done being pregnant, I would still have my business. And so that helped me over that hump. And I was so grateful to myself for staying on during that really difficult time because when my daughter was born, she was a preemie and she was born at just seven, uh, well, 28 weeks. So just about seven months. And it was a really difficult time. She spent over two months in the NICU, um, had open heart surgery, like first week of life, you know, like really trouble extivating, um, you know, getting off the ventilator and breathing machine and all that. So it was a rough few months. (laughs) And I just took my computer, hustled, you know, did sales pages, did phone calls all from the NICU pump room while attached to the pumps. (laughs) Mom life. (laughs) Yeah, mom life. And so that is how I got started. And eventually over time, I mean, it took months, but eventually people were like, how are you doing this? What are you doing? Um, I see that you're making money. You're active on Facebook. Like we want to know what you're doing um, and not having to go back to your job. And so eventually mom started to ask me and, and my first niche, like when I started going into helping people with their businesses was mom entrepreneurs. So I was helping mom entrepreneurs to increase, you know, to get their business off the ground. A lot of time management stuff that I taught and sales and really like that focus on the sales and the profit producing activities in the business. So that was um, how that got kicked off. And that went very, very well. And then eventually it just progressed again. Like there's been so many layers. So then after I was getting clients who were referred referred to me by my existing clients, but they weren't always women or moms. And so I was like, I'm coaching these men. Like what made me agree to coach men or what made me open to coaching people who were not mothers? And it always came back to this mission to make an impact and a difference in the world. And so that really was reflective of my nurse self, you know, but I just didn't have the words for it. And I couldn't see that within myself, you know, to be able to see that in my branding, you know, early on. 
So that's when I changed to Impact Driven Entrepreneur. That's been about a year and a half-ish now, maybe just a year. So that's been you know fun and different and exciting. And that's what I do. <laughs> wow. I feel like that's it's such an incredible story. I mean, my most preemie kid is, was four weeks early, which in the grand scheme of things is, is nothing compared to the story you just shared. But I feel like entrepreneur can be such a blessing for people in situations like that. It's really a safety net because it does allow you that flexibility to yeah. still make money. I mean, if you do you have any idea what that would have looked like if you were in your traditional role as a nurse? Like, how would that have had to look for you? Yeah. So, because of what I did in the hospital and like really driving the profit margins, I think it would have been okay. But I don't know because you just never know. Right. You know what I mean? Like you just never know. But I know like if I was a bedside nurse, I would have been, I mean, literally when I was a bedside nurse, I had six days off a year and, and that was it, you know, six, 12, and we did 12 hour shifts, right? So six, 12 hour shifts, days off a year. I remember there were times when like back in the time of the swine flu, I got the swine flu. I had to continue to go to work. Like I had no choice because I was out of sick days, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what happens in the nursing profession. Don't go to hospitals. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I don't think, any of that would have been possible. I think it would have been seriously detrimental to my daughter's life, honestly, or I would have had to just quit and not have anything. So I was really fortunate to be able to take her to all the, you know, high risk specialists and therapies. And I mean, she was on breathing machines for months when she came home. And, you know, the doctor said, you're a nurse, you can handle it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I can. So Yes, I'm on a call 24-7. So that was it. <laughs> I feel like it's different though. Because I worked, I used to be a service coordinator for children with developmental disabilities. And then having a child with developmental disabilities, like, yes, you know the work, but it's different, right? When it's your own kid. <gasps> it's, it's unreal. It's not the same. Like when it's your child, you just, you can't handle it. I remember there were emergency style situations that I was just like, I don't know what to do. And, but I did know what to do, but I was just like in panic mode and I worked ICU for years, you know? And (laughs) so I'm like, yeah, I know what to do, but it's different when it's your, your child's life on the line. And I, I have goosebumps. I can relate to that so much. And it's really saying something since my AC is out here in Phoenix. Goosebumps in a hundred degree weather, <laughs> right? Because I, I just, I feel like I, it brings back those memories. So now you've made all these pivots. You went from health coach to mompreneur coach, and now you are coaching others who are embarking on a similar journey, focusing on increasing profits and impact. Mm-hmm. What are the different kinds of impact that our work can have in the world? Yeah, I love talking about this. So. I I think of five different types of impact. The first is your immediate life. Okay. So this is basic, but some people are afraid to own it. Right. So this is things like what will your schedule look like? In this whole journey, my schedule has changed so much. Like, and it always still kind of does, right? Like, because I'm like, well, I kind of want a solution for this over here. I'm going to move this over there, right? Like, that is a big part of it. And it is what we are living every day. So, 
your schedule, your finances, your um, family, like all of that and where you live, right? All of this kind of stuff is, is the first level of impact. This is how making a difference with your business and, and having that financial reward will allow you to change your own life. So that's the first level. Yeah, it's like in, it's all the pivots, right? All the pivots that we make in our business as entrepreneurs, it, they ch- impact you all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then the second level of impact is the impact um, that you're going to have on your clients, right? So if I, you know, as a health coach, I was helping people to lose weight, right? So there's an impact there. I am able to help somebody. They feel better about themselves, right? What is possible for them? And like, there's so many things that are invisible, which is, that's another one, right? But like, maybe it strengthens their relationship. Maybe they finally go after this career move that they've been wanting to make, right? Like we don't know all of the things, but it's really about doing that initial step for our clients and what is possible for them. So it's what you what you cause to happen in your client's life, your, your what? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the third level is what you can help other people who you hire. So um, I remember the first time that I saw this like in real life, because when I was hiring people virtually, it didn't feel as real. <laughs> but I remember being able to bring on a nanny. And for me, that was huge. So we had two nannies. One of the nannies was a woman who was retired and she had no additional source of income. And we lived in Texas and I'm sure you can relate right this minute because it was super hot. It was South Texas, super hot. And she was a retired woman and she wanted to buy an air conditioner. And so me employing her at my house as a nanny allowed her to get the air conditioner that she wanted. So that's like small, but also really big for this woman. You know what I mean? Like having no employment and being able to get something that she really needed in, you know, difficult time. So there's so much that we can do through our business and through employing others that it is absolutely beautiful if you take the time, you know, like to get to know your employees and like really ask them what matters to them. I love, like, I already love where this is going. I know we're halfway through, but it's, you're, you're just looking at all the different, it's powerful, all the different ways that ripple effect and how you're impacting so many people outside of yourself. And I love that you included the nanny, which to me feels like it's in the family bucket, not necessarily the work bucket, but of course it's also the work bucket because they're so intertwined, mm-hmm. you know, like by having that nanny, you're now able to outsource some of your motherly duties so you can focus more on your business duties. So I love that. I love how you separated that out. Now, what about the virtual employees that made it more difficult? Are you able now to see that more clearly? You just needed the in-person employee to come first? Yeah. Like for me to see that ripple effect because I was seeing her every day, was when I re- like when it really hit me. Um, but I did have a virtual employee in India who was doing some work for me. Um, and I remember for Christmas, like I gave her a bonus and she was like blown away. Like it was like, oh my gosh, like I can't even, right? So it's things like that. Um, again, that was 
it, it wasn't huge for me, but it made a difference for her, for her life. Right. And I think like, that's, what's possible when you really are allowing yourself and your business to become profitable, right? Like you can bring on employees, you can hire somebody, you can get, give somebody a Christmas bonus. You can see like what else your business can do for the world. So. Well, I don't want to lose traction. So we've got one being ourself, two being the client, three being your employees. Let's hear what number four is. Number four is, um, obviously giving back, right? So this is what most people think of when they think about how they can make an impact in the world with their business is they want to give back. And I know for me, I have had many clients who struggle with sales, right? Like I don't want to sell. I don't want to be pushy. And what we have done is for certain clients who are highly driven by giving back, what they have done is set a donation goal. So they're going to set like maybe 10 or 15 or 20% of proceeds are going to go towards um, something that they really care about, whether it be a real person they know that they're going to donate the money to or a formal charity. Or I've had somebody um, say, you know, I actually really want to go on this mission trip. Mm. And so funding the mission trip is really important to me, right? So finding that as your driver can be really powerful. So does that help people with getting over mental blocks with sales? Oh yeah. All of this does. All of these do. Because when you start to see, if you struggle with receiving money, if you struggle with sales because you think it's going to be pushy, right? It takes seeing all of this to really fully embrace that, right? Because I think so many times as people who want to make a difference in the world, who want to do something beautiful with their business, we shy away from sales. We shy away from increased profit because we don't see all of these things that are possible on the other side of being profitable. Wow. Now, what about, I know we just, number four is philanthropy, right? Yeah. Do you have tips? Like if there isn't, if you're an entrepreneur and maybe you don't have already have that cause in mind, how do you identify what the best cause is for you? Is there any cause that's a bad cause? (laughs) Um, I don't know if there's a bad cause. I think it's (laughs) more about what is going to drive you. Like what matters to you? What are your values? What is it that you stand for? Because for you, like, I mean, I've, I've seen it where people are driven by the getting employees and by hiring, you know, the college student who's going to be able to not eat ramen. (laughs) Like that can be a driver if, especially if you're seeing them or other people are more driven by, you know, number one, the family aspects, the scheduling aspect, right? I guess it just depends on what is your driver. It doesn't have to be philanthropy and you don't have to choose like a specific cause. You know, it can be something that's meaningful to you and that's, what's going to make it work for you to work through the blocks. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, what's number five? I'm sitting here trying to think of what it could possibly be. (laughs) Number five is (laughs) invisible. So invisible impact is really about the things we don't see. So that's when you do your post, you say like, maybe it's your blog post, your Facebook post, your Mm -hmm. video, and you hear nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) However, you know, three, four, five months down the line, you're on a call with somebody and they're like, I remember you did a post about that once. (laughs) Right? 
that happens. And it only happens if you have the courage and you, and you believe in your cause enough to show up when nobody's listening. Other forms of invisible impact are things like the, those, all the ripples, right? Like we don't know. There are just so much we don't know. But if we continue to show up, we can have all the impacts one through four, right? And just continue to live that. So, Oh, that might be my favorite one, especially as somebody who focuses on Facebook as my yeah. you know income producing activity, because everybody knows that organic reach is dying and it's dead and algorithm changes and blah, blah, blah. But it's still important to post. It's still important to show up. And it's that invisible impact. Like you just... You just don't know who's seeing it just because there's crickets on the other side when you post something. Yeah. And I think we can get so in our head about it, right? Like I was chatting with you earlier how I've been doing these lives on my business page. And like, honestly, every day I try to talk myself out of it. I'm like, no, I don't have to do it, you know? And then I remember this. I remember Invisible Impact. And I remember like, you know what? Even if one person comes in and out, it is okay, right? Like there are, there is still power in what I'm saying. And if I help one person by showing up on this video, I'm golden. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a great outlook. And I think that everybody's going to benefit from, from thinking about that the next time they try something, you know, you try something for a week or two weeks or even a month, and then you think it's not working, Mm -hmm. but you really don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You don't. You really don't. (laughs) So you touched, um, I think, back around number three, you touched a little bit on money management and profits. And I know money management can be something that a lot of us struggle with. So how do you manage the money in your business to ensure that you're paying yourself regularly? I love this. Um, So write this down, everybody. (laughs) Get a pen. Pause the podcast. Pause and get a pen. So you're going to get this book. It's called Profit First. It will change your life. Have you ever heard of it? I think I, I think I just had another guest that recommended it, but now I can't remember. Okay. Yes. So if it's two, that means you got to read it. Okay. So um, Profit First is how, how I do that. So number one, I, I always pay myself first. I make sure that I'm uh, allocating a salary and I also make sure that I am saving some money for all kinds of things. First of all, taxes. <laughs> I just moved from Texas to New York. So <laughs> taxes are important. Taxes are important. But that is that is the the main thing, right? Is like making sure that you are paying yourself, making sure that you are allocating the money. And profit first is is the best way to do that. Like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you how to do it because profit first tells it a million times better than I could ever do it in this podcast. So read the book. Yes, read the book. Is there an audio book though? That's the question. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. That's how I read it the first time. Oh, good. Best. Yeah. Best. You know when you're talking to a podcaster that they get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reading, a little difficult. An audiobook that I can get down with. Yeah. And he's hilarious. Like, I know it's about money, but he, he like, I, I literally was laughing out loud while reading the book. So, yeah. which is probably what makes it memorable and a good and book. Fun. Yeah. And makes you want to do it. Right. Yeah. Now, Feel free to just tell me it's in the book and to, to move on. But um, how do you determine how much money you pay yourself? Did that 
like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you have that number in mind before you started being uber profitable or did you get super profitable and then realize you needed a a number and pick like 10% or something like that? How did that work? Love that question. So traditional owner's pay is anywhere from 25 to 50% of what the business is bringing in gross. Okay. So that means, okay, so that's the owner's pay. So that's how much you're going to pay yourself. But profit is like what you pay yourself as a bonus. Okay. And so, but for businesses under 2 million, which I think is considered a small business and that's in the book. Okay. But he says, Every business under two million, which is pretty much everyone listening, right, um, is going to be your your fifty percent. So we have to pay ourselves fifty percent of what we're making in, right? So if let's say I had a client pay me eight hundred dollars, or let's do a thousand because it's easy, right? A thousand, so five hundred to what I'm going to make. The other five hundred, I'm going to you know allocate to taxes, allocate to expenses for the business, that kind of thing. Awesome. Great way to put it into perspective. Yeah. So you only just have to make $1 to be profitable. I guess that's the short answer to that. <laughs> Which makes it seem much more attainable. Yes. Awesome. So how do you prioritize your schedule to make sure everything's getting done? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I use what I call a master schedule. So it's a Google spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Because we've been talking all about numbers. Okay, so I use a Google spreadsheet and I really just map out what my week is typically going to look like. And what I like to do is I I block off like two-hour segments. So I have the two hours before my kids get up, then I get them ready. We go to, to preschool. They're in preschool now. So Then we have two hours when I get back, and then we have two hours after that, and that's my work day. So I have six hours, and I basically just allocate the whole week to when am I doing sales activities, when am I doing client calls, and when am I doing marketing? Because those are the the main things that are going to be on there. Now that my team is growing, there's team meetings. (laughs) but before it was so formal, it was not a regular part of the routine, but that's how I do it. I just basically split up the day and my working hours into two hour increments. Okay. Now before my kids were in school, it was kind of a different story, Mm -hmm. right? Like before I could afford daycare. Right. So for that, I would just do like, before they got up, I would do nap time and after bed. But so it's similar, right? Like you're still getting two hours pretty much. Yeah. Now I have to ask, what time do your kids wake up that you are able to wake up two hours before them? (laughs) They wake up anywhere between 6.30 and 7. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Now you you were a nurse. Is that like nurse training that you can wake up that early and function? Or how did that work? I can't imagine if I went out there and told my husband I was going to start waking up two hours before the kids. (laughs) I don't even know what he would do. Yeah, I I function better in the morning. So that's when I like some people do mornings for content creation. Some people do evenings. Like after eight o'clock, like we're getting close to eight o'clock. I am like, I, I can't even think straight. Like I cannot be creative. So 
the mornings are my most productive time, which was really hard for me because when the kids got up at seven, like that's still my prime time. So I actually feel sometimes like I'm losing that, you know, that time in the morning. I wish sometimes I'm like, I wish somebody could get them to school for me and I would only have to work two hours. Like I could really, those are my most productive hours. So I could really condense stuff there. Well, hopefully once they go to kindergarten, they'll get bust. Maybe you yeah, want to hopefully. So <laughs> I know right now you focus on group coaching over other services, right? Mm-hmm. Or why did you decide to focus on group coaching over other approaches that you could be taking with your clients? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. So my first group, <laughs> my first group, it was about four months into my business and I liked it because it allowed me to bring in, I think I brought in like 10 clients and I made maybe like $2,000. So I was like, this is nice. You know what I mean? Like I'm coaching them for all together. Like it didn't feel like as much work. And I was like feeling good about that. The only problem I had on that side though, was that my group wasn't that engaged. People were not showing up to group calls. I was getting frustrated. And I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So I went back to one-on-one model because I mean, my background, I'm a coach, right? Like I love that one-on-one, the handholding, the support, the all of that. Um, and so I went back to a one-on-one model exclusively until I sold out my practice. And then I thought, you know what? I can't do this. Like I'm burning the candle at both ends, like between my kids and all the clients and doing, like I do copy review for my one-on-one clients. Like I do look at all their sales funnels and all their sales pages. So it's a lot of, of work for somebody. Mm -hmm. So after that happened, I, I said, I'm going to try passive income, right? Like, let me try a course. (laughs) And then I quickly realized that like, even if I had my passive income product, which I I did, I had it set up on a funnel and it was selling pretty much every day. I couldn't sell it for a big price tag. Like I couldn't do the, you know, and I love Amy Porterfield and I bought, you know, her courses, but I couldn't do the $2,000 launch, right? Like I just couldn't do it. And I found group coaching to be a great alternative where I could still have that one-on-one support at times, right in the group setting, I could coach people through hot seats. I could handhold them. I could still keep people accountable, but it wasn't like as draining for me as one-on-one. So it was kind of that middle ground where I could still charge a high enough fee that it could replace some of my one-on-one clients, and I could do it in a in a leveraged way. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does. And I love that you. I don't love that you got overwhelmed, but I mean, I, I love that that's how you addressed it. You know, you, you found that you were basically trading time for money and you weren't, you weren't in the place you wanted to be, but instead of, it seems like instead of searching, a lot of people are looking for, you know, balance and tips for balance. And that's a lot about what we talk about mm-hmm. on this podcast, but at the core of it, a lot of it's about shifting the mindset. Like you really weren't looking for balance. You were looking for the right structure. And so you were able to pivot, change the way you structured your business so that it would fit into what your vision was. Yeah. And it had to be like, and a lot of my thoughts, right, around being able to charge for passive income products are still not that great, right? Because like, I don't feel comfortable charging $2,000 for a course at this point. 
That doesn't mean it won't change later, but that's part of my mindset journey. And I have to just be where I am, right? And I still have to make my business work now. And for me, that's what group was able to do. So you think it's still some of that like money mindset blockers with the income for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I remember one of my one of my um, coaches. He was like, "Just add a zero at the end, like you can do it." <laughs> and I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> just add a zero, no big deal." Yeah. So I mean, there's still definitely some mindset stuff, and like that, nobody's perfect at that, right? Like, right. Every level has its own thing, right? And for me, like, I didn't also want to totally lose the 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 touch, the personal touch with my clients. So that was another aspect is like control freak, you know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Total control freak over here. <laughs> I actually thought about that when you were talking about wanting to go to all of your daughter's therapy appointments and things like that. Oh, yeah. That's totally how I still am now. Like my daughter will have an IEP and I'm super backed up and my husband will be like, well, why don't I go? I'm like, you can't go. <laughs> You don't know what's going on. <laughs> I have to be there when he's fully capable. It's just that I'm a control freak. So, so I'm with you on that one. Now, what tools are making life and work easier for you these days? I think I like to keep it simple. Spreadsheets um, are a big one. Um, and you know what? Like Asana. I used to be a huge Trello person Mm -hmm. until I had so many boards, I couldn't even keep up with my boards. (laughs) And so I like Asana because it has one to-do list. And so no matter what project I'm working on, because I have a lot of moving parts now, it all goes on one to-do list. So I know exactly what to do every day. And you have you said you have a team, right? So is your team all on Asana too when you assign tasks and keep track of things? Yes, but our content cal like our content stuff, because we still do all our content on Trello. Okay. Um, but all of our tasks and every all our regular to-dos are on Asana, yes. I feel like that should be like a regular recurring segment on my podcast, like Trello versus Asana, because I feel like that's everybody's favorite tool, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting to see how you're using both of them. If you could leave our listeners with just one, like number one tip or piece of advice, what would that be? Mm, I think like, remember that you can do it, right? Like as a mom, as a parent, right? Because you serve parents, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As parents, we could just get to burn that candle at both ends a lot of days. And it's just really that reminder that we can do it. We can show up, we can serve our clients, we can take care of our children. And that at the end of the day, like there is no other thing that is more beautiful than getting to do all of that, you know, impactful work for our clients, for our kids, for everybody. Great advice. Thank you. And where can our listeners learn more about you? Where can they find you online? Yeah. So you can um, join us over at the Impact Driven Entrepreneur Facebook group. Um, That's my Facebook community. Um, I'm currently working on writing my second book, um, which is super exciting. And we're going to be doing all the updates there. And so that's where people can really connect and learn. And I share, it's a lot of conversations. Like it's a, it's a very engaged, fun group. 
Awesome. And we'll put the link in the show notes for sure. So thank you so much. This has been really amazing. And I love, love, love that you broke down those, those impact types. Um, it really got me thinking. And I, I think I'm definitely going to look at things a lot differently going forward. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks thank for having me. Thank you. I love how Mariana broke down all of those different types of impact that our work can have on the world and how just coming to terms with those things can really help us get over some reservations when it comes to sales and money mindset. You'll find all of the links mentioned in today's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 39. Last week, we talked SEO with Rachel Lindhagen. She's the president and founder of Etch Marketing and an experienced marketer with nearly 20 years of experience. She holds a BA in broadcast journalism and her MBA in marketing, and she's led the SEO and content marketing strategies for some of the largest e-commerce retailers today, earning her clients number one keyword rankings for thousands of competitive terms and millions in revenue from SEO and content. We talked about her transition to entrepreneurship, her journey as a parent, and some tips for SEO and content marketing on your website. Make sure you go back and give it a listen. Your website will thank you. Next week, we're going to meet Nicole Connell. Nicole is an educator and mentor in the Bay Area. Although she is a certified educational therapist, she prefers the title of personal learning fairy godmother. She loves supporting children to stay connected to their inner knowing and big ideas. She helps parents see the brilliance in their children, even if they don't fit into the box, and advocates for perspective and paradigm shifts in the educational realm. In this episode, we're going to talk about our current educational system and some of the areas in which it fails our children who learn differently and may even be diagnosed as having special needs like ADHD, dyslexia, or just struggle in school. It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast today so that you don't miss that episode. Thank you so much for listening with me today, and I will see you next week. us a favor share this podcast to a friend it's like my mom always says sharing is caring